This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help you if you've landed a leadership role through no fault of your own and now need to find out what you should be doing. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and have been there and know what it feels like and made all the mistakes. In each episode, I'll be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. You'll find out why they do what they do and take away some top tips you can use to become a more confident leader. For more content and to keep in touch with how the project is developing, go to www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. If you have any comments about the episode, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. So let's crack on with the show. Today I'm talking to Russ Hayworth. Russ is a family business consultant and financial planner. He helps families to navigate the complexities that come from being in business together. He is also the host of the Family Business Podcast. I hope you enjoy this chat we had about working with family and I'll catch you all on the other side. Russ, welcome to the Reluctant Leader Podcast. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Um, we've had uh, chats in the past on your own podcast, which is the Family Business Podcast, and I thought uh-huh. it was only right that you come on my podcast, which um, for, for many reasons, and one being that you are part of the, the inspiration to start this podcast. Thank you. Um, but before we get stuck into the topic and we begin talking about working with family, um, just tell us uh, why you took this path what, what was the, uh, and what was the pivotal moment that started you down this, this path? Sure. So um, I, my background is in financial planning and I was um, typically in the financial planning department of large uh, national or regional accountancy practices. So as a result of that, my typical client would be a family business. Now, it wasn't something that I was deliberately focusing on. It was just the nature of, you know, nearly 90% of businesses are family owned businesses. And therefore, as a result of that, it meant that I was typically working with them um, around their succession planning and around their um, uh, financial and emotional freedom from the uh, from the business. Um, when I moved to my um, current company, I decided that I would, um, rightly or wrongly, write a book about some of the challenges that are faced, at, particularly at succession planning, and I put a a sort of general shout out on LinkedIn saying, I'm putting this book together. I'd love for people to get involved and, and help me with the research and the interviews. And that led me to speaking to several accountants, lawyers, family business members, and in particular a chap called John Tucker, who is a family business consultant. And I recorded all of the interviews that I had with these individuals so that I could um, get the interviews transcribed and then that would form the basis of the book around my own thoughts on on certain aspects and certain subjects, um, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit later on as well. But one particular um, chat stood out, which was the one with John. Now, normally everyone else I sort of sat down and spoke with, we did an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, John and I sat in a cafe in Bristol for five and a half hours and we just kind of hit it off. And he kind of opened my eyes to... Uh, a different way of tackling issues within a family-owned business. I've been coming at it very much from a financial planning perspective, but more recently, so after the, over the last four or five years, 
I've now moved to being able to offer full family business consultancy services to the family businesses that I work with, as well as the financial planning side. And it was really John's um, kind of inspiration, if you like, in that chat in a cafe in Bristol. Um, the cafe must have been really annoyed with us because I think we only had one or two coffees. <laughs> we were there for five and a half hours. Um, but the, uh, the the viewpoint that he was able to offer and the, the way in which um, he helps family businesses really shaped a, a pivot in my own career. So I then went and um, discovered the Family Firm Institute and took their advanced certificate in family business advising. The recordings of the interviews actually became the um, inspiration for the podcast because the book is still yet to be published. It's sat here waiting. I just need to hit print or publish or whatever the technical term is for, for publishing the book. But the interviews themselves became the basis of the podcast because, in my view, you can get a far wider reach via the podcast than you can through a book that's probably going to sell 30 copies, most of those, to your family. Right. Excellent. And uh, I think most people that have been listening to this podcast and know me um, know that I come from a family retail business. Mm. Um, and so I've had sort of firsthand experience of working with my, my parents, with my brothers, with my daughters, nephews, and all that goes with it. So I'm, I've been there um, and know a bit about it. But I, I, to be honest, I've never really gone into the detail that I see you talking about, um, Russ. And, and I think that was that, one of the problems that I think we had going back was that we, we were a bit too insular in that we were, you know, we were like a compact unit. We ran this business. It was, you know, we sort of lived it, breathed it. And um, any outside influence uh, was seen as probably, um, you know, maybe not wanted or, or, or maybe just, you know, we didn't want that influence maybe. And so how, how does that work? How do you come get across that? Because I'm sure that's quite quite common within family businesses, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the first thing to say is that is it is very, very common. It, mm. it is something that we um, come up against uh, very often. The, the, the thing with family businesses is that they, every single one of them is unique because they are the only business with those particular family members in it. And that can be one of the reasons behind why there is this sort of insular view is nobody else has to work with my dad, my mum, my brother, my nephew, whatever the um, particular character is. And, and whilst that might be true, the challenges and issues that family businesses can face are much more um, widespread. They're much more common across every, di every different um, family business. So the phrase I like to, to use when I explain this is that family businesses are collectively unique. So they are individual characters, but the challenges that those individual characters can present are very, very common within family businesses. And I think that's part of the message to get across is that very often when we first speak to family businesses, they feel isolated, they feel alone. And they think that they're the only people that are going through this particular struggle. And the truth of the matter is that they're not and that there is help out there to, to be able to help them navigate that. Because let's not forget, being in business with your family can be hugely rewarding. It's a fantastic thing to do. You have a shared value set. You have a, a shared goal. You have a, you know, a common um, ethical thread through your family that if you can put that into a business is, is fantastic. It's a, a brilliant way of, of um, impacting on the community, impacting on the family itself. 
but there is, as well as a being sort of a higher propensity for love within a family business, there's also a higher propensity for hate because you can probably get away with things in a, a boardroom meeting with your family that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get away with in a non-family business. So, you know, yeah. we've, we've been in boardroom um, meetings where, you know, people have been swearing each other and, you know, threatening each other and all sorts of, of that dynamic that you just wouldn't necessarily get within a, a non-family workplace. Um, and it's those, the management of those emotions that can become um, very challenging, shall we say. Um, yeah. to, to overcome those, I, it can be a, a slow process. Um, part of the way in which we work with people is to slow that process down, to, to get them to understand that actually there's a different dynamic happening here to what maybe your peers are struggling with in a, in a corporate environment or a non-family environment um, and that you're not alone and we can help. Hmm. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that's all so, so relevant um, and, and important to understand that, you know, those uh, every, every family business is different, but they have similarities. But I think it's worth just um, because I've, I've come across lots of people uh, and there was a time when I was sort of saying that I was a family business um, coach um, because of my background and that's what I felt that that was where I could help. But obviously moved on more to the reluctant leader stuff. But when I come to talk to people about family businesses, there was a very much almost like a bipolar in that people said, oh, that, I bet that's really interesting. And then there's other people said, you wouldn't catch me going there with a barge pole. And it was really, <laughs> yeah. really, there was no middle ground. It was just, oh, that sounds really interesting. And, 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 and that's, I suppose that depends on your experience, doesn't it? It all depends on what you've come across in the past. If you've had a yeah. bad experience, then you're going to be that, oh, I'm not going there again. Or if you've come across a family business that are, you know, um, they're doing well and, and they've got a great culture around them, then you, you just want to do more of that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, from, from a personal perspective, I, I love working with family businesses. So the, the dynamic that is created by working with your family is something that endlessly fascinates me in terms of, um, you know, if I have a bad day, for example, I can go home to um, my uh, wife and say that this has happened and I've had a terrible day or I can ring my parents up and go, well, this, you know, this happened and my bosses are, you know, mm. you know what, um, mm. but when they are your family and you are working with them, it becomes so much harder to do. And that, that dynamic fascinates me. And I think where the kind of passion comes from it is that there is ways in which that can be helped. Um, there is a, a phrase which I, I don't like personally, but but it's a term called professionalizing the family business, which can be met with some reluctance. It can be seen as a break on behavior, i.e. someone's going to come in and tell me that I've been doing this wrong for all these years and nobody will understand what our family stands for. Um, it can also impact on recruitment in terms of um, people not understanding the family ethos. And uh, the, the common phrase is they don't get it. And you ask them, well, what is it? And they go, well, you know, it. <laughs> and it, it, it's all these things, all these elements that come into it that I find hugely fascinating. And I'm fortunate enough to be in a position to be able to help people overcome those challenges, which again is why for me, it, it's the fascinating end rather than I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. And um, I kind of have that view over, over the more corporate um, entities where, you know, there isn't this interesting dynamic going on. I, I think it's, um, 
mm. far more straightforward within that. And I might be doing that a disservice, but it's far more straightforward at that end than it is at the, the family-owned end. Yeah, yeah. And and as we are, this is a podcast which is based on leadership. Mm. Uh, and I suppose that's where it all begins, isn't it? That where is the leadership within the business, uh, and and who is taking the lead? I know early days in our family business, my dad was very much that you know leader. He had come from a corporate background and wanted to create his own retail sort of business from the, the things that he'd learned. And he was leading that because he had the experience and we were sort of fresh out of school and all those sort of things. And we, we had to be led. And, you know, to be honest, he led us, you know, in, in, a, in a really um, a positive way and, um, you know, passed on a lot of the knowledge to us. But I suppose it's when it's that when, when the time comes where that, that leadership has to be passed down, I, I suppose that's one of the biggest challenges that family businesses have. It, it is. And it, if you imagine, it, so you, your dad sounds as if he was quite entrepreneurial. He had a, a passion. He had a, a vision that he wanted to follow. And when that's your passion and your vision, it, it's relatively easy to be able to articulate that because it's yours. If you then think about the succession planning of to the next generation, irrespective of how strong a leadership there is within that business, part of that passion is going to be diluted because the circumstances within which you've grown up will be entirely different to the circumstances around which your dad grew up in, for example. So you can't help but lose some of that passion or have it diluted somewhat. And it might manifest itself in a different passion. And that's where you think, well, actually, I want to take this business that dad's created and take it in a slightly different direction. And that in itself can create a challenge because you're trying to do something that follows your passion and it doesn't quite align with um, what's gone um, before. And then if you take that into a third generation, for example, that dilution happens further. And so there's a a well-worn phrase in um, family business, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And I think a lot of that is around the type of leadership that can be um, present within a family-owned business is that there is an assumption that everybody shares the same passion and shares the same belief because you're from the same family. But the reality is the communication around that needs to happen and be something that is constantly evolving so that everybody is on the same page and everybody shares that longer-term view and vision for the business. Because if you can unite around that, the power of family and business around a united goal can be hugely powerful and hugely rewarding. Yeah, and that is the challenge, isn't it? It's passing that that um, you know that uh, vision down the line, and, and you've absolutely summed it up perfectly. There is is it's bound to get diluted, but is it? It then comes to a point where you have to sort of blend the two generational visions, don't you? And 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 get something in place to encourage that. And I suppose that is you've already just mentioned the, the C word, that communication thing, which um, which I'm sure we're going to mention again. And it's about having an, an opportunity to communicate in a way where where it's constructive bring people together let allow everybody to have their their view um, and there's no right or wrong situation so that they can actually come up with a plan that sort of fits um everybody's sort of desire desires and um, values and and vision yeah. really isn't it uh, and i think that that's a really important point is um making sure everybody's expectations are understood and managed mm. because it may be that you're in the next um, generation of a family business and your aspirations are to take over by a certain point 
and it that might not match with the senior generation. It might not match with other people in the next generation. It might not even match with the third or fourth generation in that scenario where if your expectations aren't talked about and aren't managed in a safe environment, then that's where um, little niggles can start to appear and you can start getting underlying frustration within individuals within the business, which then um, you know, permeates around the business itself and can be quite toxic. But having those conversations and um, chats around succession at, at an early point where everybody's expectations are laid on the table in a very open and honest way it sounds really easy, but it can be quite difficult to be honest with your family because you might be sat there going, I don't want to do this. You might be sat there going, I don't want to be the next managing director of this business just because I share the same surname as you, or just because I'm the traditionally within our family business, it could be eldest son. And the pressure that that can put on people when they're being pushed into that leadership role potentially against their will can be damaging both to them as individuals, but also to the business. And so having those conversations really early, it, it, there's a, I think a Japanese or Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. It's, it's broadly similar with succession planning. The best time to start was years ago. The second best time to start is now because that discussion is not going to go away. It will be an elephant in the room. And if, if expectations aren't managed and people are thinking, well, I'm going to take over this business from this point and then don't, it can cause um, all sorts of troubles. And actually, I think that's a really positive um, leadership trait is having very good communication and being able to accept that your expectations might not be the same as the people who are working around you in the business. And particularly when that's family, to be able to create a safe space. And I'm not necessarily talking around the kitchen table. It could be in a boardroom. It could be in a retreat. It could be, you know, if you, you have a particular um, holiday spot that you all like to go to, that you talk about these particular things. H having the ability to share and air your views in a very open and honest way can it would be hugely empowering to the family business. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think um, it's a, a great time to introduce um, one of the models that you talk about quite a lot. And um, and again, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this model when I was in the family business, but it would have been so so helpful to have sort of had this to understand and obviously to share it and make sure everybody understood how this worked. So, the three circle model is something that um, you you talked about. I've seen you um, recently with a video, and I think it's an opportunity opportunity to introduce that and just talk about what that is and how, how family businesses can use that. Yeah. So the, the three circle model is just over 40 years old now, but it, it stands the test of time. And I think it's probably the most relevant and widely used model to help explain the complexities of a family owned business. So um, perhaps difficult on a, on a podcast to, um, <laughs> To, to draw it out. So I'm drawing it out in the air as we speak. Um, but if you imagine three circles that overlap in a, in a Venn diagram, and you've got two on the bottom and, and one on the top, the two on the bottom are management or um, em employment um, and business uh, ownership. So you've got two circles there that overlap. And in a non-family business, if you are an owner of the business but also work in the business, that can create complexity around which hat are you wearing when certain decisions are made. So you have a simultaneous role that exists between ownership and working within the business. 
If you then overlay that with another circle, the top one, which is family, you've gone from a model that had three segments to one that has seven segments. So you've got potentially seven different roles that people are playing within that organization that will have an influence over that. So you could have a family member who doesn't own the business and doesn't work in the business, but is married to somebody who does, and they will have an influence over that family business. You may have somebody who sits right in the center of that um, model where they are a family member, where they own the business and they work and, and um, manage the business. And they've got to um, look at the complexity that exists where are you making that decision as mum or dad? Are you making that decision as the owner of the business for a strategic reason longer term? Or are you making that decision as somebody who works within that business? And once you start to break down those different simultaneous roles, you can start to understand where some of the frustration might be coming into the business. So it, it could be that you're trying to tackle a family issue by doing something with the ownership structure of the business but by separating them out and understanding who's wearing which hat in those conversations can be really enlightening. It can be, it's like a light bulb moment for people when they go, Oh God, that's really, that's a really simple way of explaining, but, but actually it's an exceptionally complex model. And I think that's where the beauty of it lies because it's very easy to draw out. You draw three circles, you have family, you have ownership, and you have management or, or being employed within the business. And then plotting where people sit in each of those circles allows you to understand which hat they're wearing in those conversations. Yes, and I think also you can then, when when there is transition going on, you can also use that model to 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 to, uh, to um, demonstrate or. Um, demonstrate where what's happening so if you're taking going from one section to another then you can have a quick discussion about how that works and absolutely it's almost you know it sort of sets it into some some sort of um framework that you can you know you're now you could probably name name what each one of these seven segments for 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 want of um, um, sort of simplification, and then say, so, well, you're moving from you know A to C, and the difference is going to be this, that, and the other. And I suppose that that's quite useful, isn't it? It is very useful, and, and mm. it ties in with uh, I've actually created my own three circle model as well. So again, same Venn diagram. Um, the bottom two circles are financial and technical, and if you imagine the typical advice that a family business will receive around a particular issue, they will generally fall into one of those camps or both. So financial in terms of tax structuring, in terms of financial planning, in terms of accountancy advice, or you've got technical, which is the more legal aspect. And sometimes they overlap and that um, brings complexity. But that's based on logic mm -hmm. and it's based on textbook. Um, the third circle that I overlay on that model is the emotional element of that. And when emotion meets logic, <laughs> generally <laughs> it can create challenges. And so it, family businesses uh, and family business leaders who may be listening to that also need to be able to articulate the emotional aspects that are going on. And if you start drawing those arrows, as you say, from somebody on a succession discussion, for example, who is moving from ownership and family and working in the business to perhaps, and I say this in, in inverted commas, just being in the family, <laughs> their sense of purpose, their sense of identity is under threat. Mm. 
And so when somebody comes in and goes, well, you need to do this, this, and this because the tax reasons are this and the legal aspects are that, if that emotional aspect's not being understood, that person is going to resist against those changes. And so, again, as part of the sort of positive leadership that can be shown within a family business, understanding those roles and understanding who sits where and who wears what hat and then overlay that with um, the advice you're being given through the emotional lens, it can really help to open up the discussions and tackle the, the issues that generally don't fit within a financial or technical aspect. That The other challenge is lawyers, accountants, financial planners, um, for example, are not economically motivated to solve emotional issues. They're there to solve the logical issues. But the emotional issues do not go away. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think, is one of the biggest challenges of being within a family business is typically the advice that a, a lot of textbook um, advisors give, and, and this is not dis- disparaging against them at all because that's, that's their role, um, it is, it, it's too logical. If there is such a thing as being too logical, it just doesn't account for the emotional aspect that can exist within a family business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and when you when you talk about emotion within a business, it's just, it's some people just um, will say things like, you know, well, you've got to keep the, the emotion out of the business. But you know, you know, you can say one thing, but actually, we all come to work with emotions. Uh, and in a normal, well, I say normal, um, a non-family business scenario, um, it's important. But within the family business scenario, it's even more important because. You know, that's that, that extra complexity that, um, and hopefully if you're working with your family, do you want, you want to get on with them? You want to, to, to create something that's, you know, going to you know, long longevity. And, and I guess that's what, and that's one of the things that family businesses are generally quite good at. It's, it's having a long range um, view, isn't it? And, 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 and you don't want something um, that you know is emotionally based to to disrupt that, and, and if you've got a handle on it, it's something you can pre- prevent. You know, coming off the rails. Yeah, that I mean, that obviously is a very big advantage of being in a family-owned business. Is traditionally the the tenure of people who work within a family business at kind of senior management level is much longer than, say, a PLC because the PLC is measured against particular revenue targets or shareholder return, et cetera. And the average um, stay, I think, is six years for executives within um, non-family-owned businesses. But within a family-owned business, it can be 30, 40 years. Now, that is an advantage, but it can also be a disadvantage because you get um, – apathy and you get you know you get family business leaders who will say things aren't the same as they were in my day we need to go back to how it was in the olden days we now got 15 people in health and safety whereas before it was all down to me and you think, well, yes <laughs> but the world's moved on and and part of the challenge i think is is making sure that the structure around the family business is best suited for a mirroring the family's views and ethics and values, um, whilst also keeping pace with a increasingly changing world that is changing at an increasingly high pace. Um, and again, that that can be helped by bringing in certain structures, but it's understanding that those aren't necessarily a break on behaviour. They can be an enabler. So they can be something that says, okay, let's bring this in to enable the family business to do this or that, whatever, whatever the sort of goal may be. 
Um, but yes, it's certainly a, a huge positive that you have a, a much longer term view and vision uh, and generally a, a much more positive impact on your community as, as a result. You know, in some communities, family businesses are kind of the bedrock of it. They're, the, they're what everyone else gravitates around because they're such a, an important part of the community. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really relevant. Yeah, but I, I was interested in you say that resistance to change, and I had that very much from my dad, who you know came into the business with a lot of experience. But as I found my feet, I wanted to do you know do things that I see was actually good for the business and, and, and ensures our longevity. And and, what, and those basically were around technology. And my dad had no um, experience and was quite you know, I suppose, scared of technology and, and didn't really want to do it unless he was sure that it was going to be worthwhile. And, you know, and that was one of my biggest challenges was to, to bring in the scanning systems that are, you know, as we see in retail environments now, our norm. And also uh, with the accounting system, I could see that that's what we needed to do, get, just get a bit more efficient. But that, that was a big challenge. And, and you know, and when, I, when we pressed the button, it was pretty much me to, having to make sure that this was actually going to work mm. you know, the pressure that goes with it because you, you know, you, you, you do get those sort of vibes. Well, you know, well, be it on your head if this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and, um, but you know, thankfully it was, and uh, it worked out well and it was definitely the best thing to do at the time. And, and I think you touched on a really important emotion there, which is fear. Mm. And that there can be a, a fear within family business that there is a, a fear of failure but there can also be a fear of success. What if this is a success and he's shown that he's more relevant than I am? What does that do to my role within the business? Mm. Therefore, some of that resistance can be driven through a fear of not being relevant anymore. And then that links again back to purpose and, and something I know you're um, keen on is motivation and what, what is it that actually motivates people? Mm. And, and the thing with that is what I'm sure you, you will have far more insight on this than I am, but that what we see more and more often is people are not just driven by financial reward. They're driven by purpose. They're driven by something that they can buy into. And again, family businesses are brilliantly placed to be able to articulate their values to get people to buy into those. But what that then means is if you, you bring somebody in to do a job and then don't allow them to do that, it, it can be a real sticking point for people to go, well, hang on, I was buying into this vision, I was buying into this dream that you've shared with us, that that's what we want, but you're not allowing me to do that because you're scared of what that might mean for the business. And I think, again, understanding yourself and what drives you is, is a huge um, part mm. of effective leadership within within any business, but particularly within a family-owned business. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and sadly, I mean, I, I worked with my brother, my other brother for a long time, and it's only in the last year that I found out how he's motivated. And it was very, it's very different the way I'm motivated. And, that's, and, that, and that's, that's why I'm so sort of passionate about understanding what's driving everyone within the business. Uh, and obviously that changes over time. It's just checking in with that and making sure that we're, you know, we're aware of what's driving each one of us Absolutely. to make sure that they, they don't, we, it doesn't become a conflict. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's uh, I think that's definitely where we could have used the information to, to you know, just to, um, you know, understand each other better, you know, and yeah. understand where, where we're coming from. Yeah. So, um, what, one other thing on that, just, just quickly, sorry, it is um, we use a concept called um, mental maps um, when we, we're working with um, families. Now, what it effectively is based on, so say you and your brother are sat in a room together and you're facing each other on a, on a table. If you were 
both asked to describe that room, you would give very different um, readings of what what was in that room because you would describe what's behind your brother. Your brother would describe what's behind you. But the fact of the matter is you're sat in the same room at the same time um, and being asked to do the same thing. And that's something that, uh, again, ties in with that motivation thing. There's no right or wrong. It's just understanding other people's view of the world and understanding what your own view of the world is and understanding they're different, irrespective of the fact that you may have very, very similar upbringings. You're only ever going to see things through your own lens and your brother would only ever see things through um, his lens. And so that understanding that as well can be a big part of helping to um, oil the wheels of communication, shall we say, in, in those potentially tricky conversations. Yeah, yeah. And what I understand more about what he was driven by, he's driven, he's more commercial than me. And I was more, I'm more about making a difference. So really, the, the, the two different dis, dis, um, direction we were heading was that I wanted to be more specialist, whereas he wanted to be more generalist and expand, you know, to, to more stores. But there was always a resistance within me, which I didn't really understand, but I understand what that is now, which, um, which, which would have been really useful at the time. Um, uh, sadly, Russ, we, we've, we're running out of time rapidly, and um, it's been a fascinating conversation, even for someone that's been in a family business and know what it feels like. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's really useful, I think, for anybody uh, to understand how this, you know, the dynamics work, whether you are potentially going to be working for, for, for a family business or you have family businesses in the, your network and, and, and maybe you can maybe think about them slightly differently and that, that you need to sort of approach things slightly differently maybe. Um, but um, before we wrap up, um, I always ask my guests um, to give us um, some three top tips um, that we can take away. Um, so I, I, I think that's the time now for you to, to, to leave us with uh, three bits of wisdom that we can um, yeah. remember. <laughs> if I know three bits of wisdom. <laughs> um, so my first one uh, is it, possibly an obvious one, but it, it is to communicate. And it's a very um, simple word, but it's not an easy thing to do. But, but if you can get it right, then um, it can pay huge dividends. So communicate is the first one. Um, second one would be to plan early. Um, so as I say, the best time for planning succession is probably probably a long time ago. The second best time is now. Um, the third one is to embrace emotion and understand that everybody is an emotional creature. As humans, we are emotional creatures and we all, all share um, hopes, fears, um, aspirations. And being able to articulate and talk about those and create that safe environment to do so can help remove some of the challenges that families often face when they're working together. Um, so those would be my um, three top tips. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Russ. Um, I uh, much appreciate your time today. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And um, hopefully we will catch up in real life sometime. But in the meantime, yeah. have a great day. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to leave a review. Don't forget to check out The Reluctant Leader Project at www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. Make a note to start, stop or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. And until next time, be the best you can be. Be the best you can be.